You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome back to the Game Garage. My name is Jared Logan. I'm the Game Master. This is a show where we play tabletop role-playing games, and you've come on a special day. We are starting a new series here on the Game Garage tonight, where we are playing a game set in the realistic Middle Ages. We are playing GURPS, the fantastically crunchy rules system from Steve Jackson Games. It is the generic universal role play system, and we are using that to explore a realistic, historical, medieval life simulator tonight. We are going to travel back to the 14th century, uh, also known as the 1300s, and we are going to find out what life was like in that century. And I have picked uh, three incredible players to help me explore uh, that century. Uh, we're all going to do that together. Let me introduce them for you. He's the publisher at Paizo and a great friend of the niche, Mr. Eric Mona. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having Man. me, Jared. You're, uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for being here. You might remember him from Stream of Blood. He's the man who sat in my living room the other night to watch my kids so I could go do stand-up comedy, and he's also <laughs> a brilliant role player uh, and helps me write all of my scenarios, Mr. Clinton Trucks. It's me, Clint. Hey, Jared. It was nice to watch your sleeping children just yes. stand over them breathing. We're friends in real life. Isn't that exciting, you guys? Uh, Clint, you did. You actually didn't. You only helped me came up with the characters for this scenario because you're playing in it, right? So you didn't actually help me write this one. But I did study the history, so I feel like I know everything that's going to happen. Right. Okay. Uh, you did you really? You studied? Uh, no, I didn't. Not a thing. Okay. No. Good. Well, if you did, that's okay. Uh, finally, uh, the nation knows him. Uh, they love him. Uh, we're so happy that we get to play a game with him. Mr. Matthew Capitacasa. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Great to get to play it again. Yes, I'm so happy we get to play together again. Um, this is going to be a unique role-playing experience. So, first off, GURPS. Um, uh, some people might not be familiar with it. I know that some of our players aren't super familiar with it, so we're going to go slow tonight. But the nice thing about GURPS is, even though it has hundreds of rules you can use, the core mechanic is pretty simple. So, each of our players has chosen a character, and they're going to just be trying to roll under on 3D6. Um, uh, roll under their stat on 3d6. So if they have a stat of 10 in something, they're just rolling 3d6 and trying to roll under that. That's the basic mechanic to keep in mind, Nash, if you're trying to follow what's going on. That's what all of the rolls are going to be. Um, here I am. I've, I've launched straight into the rules. We should have taken some more time to get to know each other and have a hilarious, wacky banter together. Um, well, I'll ask this. How much do you guys know about the 14th century? That's a good question. Does anybody know anything about the 14th century? Uh, I, is this the century that's nasty, brutish, and short? Or is this a little after? <laughs> the lives were. Brutish and short. <laughs> 
Right. So that's a quote, and I forget whose quote it is, but they said that the lives of people in the Middle Ages were nasty, brutish, and short. Yes, this is definitely a century where that would apply. I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, Does anybody else have questions? For me, it's like like Renfair. It's all, any sort of history (laughs) is all in one place. That's the 1400s, right? Right. We went to the Renfair recently, you and I. Sure, but it's pirates. It's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> pirates show up at the Ren Fair. It's, it's everything. Yeah. Clint, um, Clint, you seem rather reluctant to talk about Ren Fair. Oh, well, <laughs> bad things happen at Ren Fair. Don't walk behind the tents. What happens yeah, what? at Ren Fair stays at Ren Fair, I think, is the maxim, isn't it? Um, yeah, we went to Ren Fair. There are, there are orcs and goblins there. There are also fairies. There are also people that look like they come from the Victorian times at Ren Fair. People don't stick to historical verisimilitude at Ren Fair, and it's a problem. <laughs> I like the idea. A, a friend of mine recommended going to a Ren Fair and wearing Starfleet uniforms, like you're in a like a holodeck episode or something. I think that's a solid. <laughs> I'd like to Solid do that. Choice. That's a good move. Yeah. yeah. The Renfrew here in Southern California has a special weekend for time travelers. Oh, nice. People show up as Doctor Who, stuff like that. Uh, uh, what if you show up as a time traveler on a different day? Do they say, no, no, we take this far too seriously? Oh, no, you've fallen out of the stream. No, I'm <laughs> telling you, they don't have any costume rules at all. I'm telling I you, the time, the time periods are all mixed up at Renfair. I want to go to the Renfair where they're really strict about it, and they're like, I'm sorry, but that cod piece is not period appropriate, and they right. kick you the fuck out. That's where I want to go. Matthew, do you know anything about the 14th century, or have you, how, how much have you studied Middle Ages history? Not much at all. So I'm going to go purely with cultural touchstones here. So like we're talking somewhere between like Braveheart and Richard II, the play. Um, yeah, I think that you, yeah, it is between that. That's correct. Yeah. Um, That's it's as a, much it's, as I know. Yeah, it's a little bit after Braveheart, and it's a uh, not too long before Richard the. Well, I, I don't know my kings exactly. But I think it's not too long before Richard II. Or maybe I'm thinking of Richard III, which was the one with the hump and the limp that uh, tried to screw everybody over. Big three. That's Big the three. three. This is before him. This we're is in before Edward him. II uh, reign, I think. If yes, we're in, we're in the, You'd be starting. So tonight we're going to start in uh, 1314, and I do believe that's the reign of Edward II. This is a great time to uh, remind everybody out in Nashland. <laughs> That we are not historians. So even though tonight what we're doing is, you know, a realistic historical drama, as opposed to there's not going to be any kind of fantasy. There's not going to be any kind of magic. There's not going to be any elves or dwarves or anything, not even horror or conspiracy going on. This is going to be about the real lives and challenges people from this period face. But, But having said that, you know, we are not historians. We are going to get things wrong. Uh... And uh, the point tonight is not to get everything exactly 100% historically accurate. It is to try to experience some of the things people in this time period experienced as a a kind of a role-playing experiment. Um, I also wanted to say, you know, a little bit of of a word on the 14th century. The 14th century in England, where where we're setting our, our story, is rife with racism and sexism and every other kind of despicable intolerance. So in that way, it's a lot like our modern period that we live in now. Uh, but I just want to let 
the nation know that even though we're not focusing on those elements in our story on the racism and sexism, etc., we do acknowledge that they were there, uh, that they were pernicious and awful. And uh, we acknowledge that they do also exist in the world we live in today. And they are pernicious and awful there. Back in the 14th century, they didn't have a lot of education or access to information to to uh, uplift themselves. I wonder what our excuse is in 2022. Uh, maybe we don't have one. Um, all right. So having said all of that, I just want to show I actually did research for this. I've read some books, and I want to recommend to the nation if they want to learn about medieval times, particularly the 14th century, I recommend reading The Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England by Ian Mortimer. This one is really, really exciting because it basically tells you all the stuff other history books don't tell you about. Other history books focus on, you know, the reign of Edward II and the big decisions people in power made. This book will tell you what a house looked like. In medieval England, it'll tell you what they ate. It'll tell you what kind of underwear they wore. Um, so this is a really good book if you want to get the details. Did you know in some places they had running water? They had actual faucets in medieval England. I didn't know that. Did you know on festival days they would sometimes run wine through the pipes instead of water? <laughs> This book is filled with little weird stuff like that. I also read um, this book in the wake of the plague, which is a little bit of a spoiler for what might be coming up in our adventure. Yeah. And uh, I also read this book called Summer of Blood about the Peasants' Rebellion in the 14th century. So all kinds of things happened in the 14th century that were challenging for the people that lived in it. Uh, that's why you might subtitle this game The Calamitous Century, because it was quite calamitous. Let's talk about your characters. I want to know which character you chose, and I want to know a little bit why you chose them. So let's start with Clinton Trucks. Clint, which uh, all of the characters are peasants. There are no noble people. We are all playing at, at the base ground level, people on the street, peasant level characters, uh, made with not a lot of points in the GURPS point by system. Tell us about your character and why you chose to play him. Clint. Anybody who has played GURPS, can I say that we're 15-point characters, which is ludicrously low? Yes. Uh, but they're all evil, even. They're all the yes. same the same amount of points, yeah. Uh, so the uh, templates you gave us all had very simple sort of appellations. I took the aged peasant. I'm the old peasant, uh, meaning I've lived to the ripe age of 50. Wow. Yeah, uh, and I've chosen the name Leofric because Leofric. I'm old, so I took an old English name, not a modern English name. Modern for the 14th century. Modern um, for the 14th century. And why, why did you choose to be an old dude? Or is he a uh, man? Uh, Leofric is a man. Yeah. Uh, Leofric, for uh, years is of his life. Is he a man is the question I just asked. <laughs> uh, I've, I've chosen a masculine name and chosen to make him a masculine character. Okay, very um, good. Uh, Leofric... Uh, uh, work, was worked as a uh, an ironsmith, a blacksmith in town. Uh, although does it a lot less now because he has a bad back, uh, and uh, instead mostly just sits around and teaches the younger folks uh, his trade. Uh, and Leofric is uh, also interesting because uh, he's one of the few people around who can read. So if he people need Ooh. something uh, written, they can bring it to Leofric. 
So I'll just, I, I, I love everything you said there. I will just sort of refine it a little bit. I think all three of you make your living through farming, which is what most peasants did at oh, the sure. time. Your blacksmithing skill reflects the fact that you learned a little bit of an extra additional trade, but it's probably not the main way that you make money and feed yourself. Um, sure. And the fact that not you even had... Right. The fact that you even had the time to kind of learn a little bit of another skill uh, reflects the fact that you are uh, you're a yeoman or a free man. OK, so um, you, your characters are peasants, but nobody uses that term to address each other. You would maybe call yourself a free man. Uh, and that means that at some point centuries ago, probably the lord of the manor freed your family from servitude. Um, you have learned a little trade. You can marry whomever you like. Lower level peasants, like what you might call a serf, or the actual term was a villain, they had their the, the lord of the manor could decide who they married, um, and uh, you can't be sold along with the estate. Uh, serfs could actually be sold along with the farm. If the noble decided to sell his farm, he could sell the workers with it. But you guys are uh, uh, one step up from that. You're just one step up from that where you have your own land uh, that you rent from the Lord. So uh, you pay a rent to the Lord, and that's how uh, you sort of make a living. You you keep what food you can. You, you, you sell off what what you can, and then you pay a, a small rent to the Lord of the Manor, which uh, for our game is a man named Sir Harold Hayter. Sir Harold Hayter is your feudal lord. He is a knight or a gentleman. He is not all the way up to like the level of a baron or a duke or, or God forbid, something like that. Um, and he is the lord of your manor. Okay, so uh, that said, let me ask Eric. Eric, which, which character did you choose? And tell me why. Uh, I will be playing Bertram, uh, who is the pious peasant, a uh, very religious fellow. Um, he needs that uh, as something of a, a, a life preserver in the chaos of the calamitous century. Uh, his father, he comes from a line of, um, actually, if you go far enough back, a couple of his ancestors were in the Crusades. Um, and in fact, his father left on, I'm going to say, let's call it the Third Crusade, uh, I, I think. And uh, he never came back. So that was the first bad thing that happened to Bertram. He did sort of inherit the plot of land to serve uh, Lord Hayter. Uh, but, mm -hmm. uh, but then, unfortunately, his wife, Beatrix, died in childbirth, giving birth to Willem. She died a couple of uh, uh, months after the birth from the complications, but she li lived long enough to refer to uh, his, their son, Willem, as Crum. And so he has a little boy named Crum who he has to care for. But in the death of his uh, wife, he ended up seeking counsel at the local church uh, from Agnes, the anchoress, who lives in a little room attached to the church and gives advice and she gave him advice to go to a, a cave and he went into the cave and he had a religious experience wherein he believes he saw the blessed virgin mother herself and she guided him out of the cave and ever since he's been sort of extremely low level celebrity among the the priests of the church he helps out in his free time they humor him he's he's on he's struggling financially 
but they always kind of cheer him on. It's hard to tell if he's being patronized or not. But he believes fervently that he has had an experience with uh, the Holy Mother, and it's changed him forever. And now he is uh, more focused on his faith than anything else. Um, I love the incredible backstory you've come up with for Bertram. Um, I do believe, you know, in GURPS, um, there are so many advantages and disadvantages that give and take away points from your character. It's a point by system. Yes. And you have you have just told me that your character has a small child. Is that correct? A baby? Well, yeah. Uh, well, let's call it a toddler, I think. Okay. Perhaps. Then I Young think Willem. We call him you have crumb. a dependent. You have a yeah. dependent then. And I'm going to go ahead and on the fly right now, it's going to it's going to throw off our totals so that all the characters aren't exactly matched. But since you just described this in your backstory, I think you have a dependent. Um, now, the GURPS would want me to figure out the competence of the dependent, the frequency that the dependent will appear, uh, whether you have multiple dependents and use all of that to do a uh uh, an equation that tells me how much your dependent is worth. But instead, I'm just going to ask you, how often do you think that uh, you're, did you call him crumb? Your, your, yes, your that's, that was my wife's cute nickname. Cause he was just a little leaving. He was a beautiful cake, but just how often do you think crumb. crumb will show up twice? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm going to, I think I am going to give you, um, here, I, I think Crumb gives you one advantage because this game is going to take place over the entire century. So you right. have decided that you already have someone who can carry on your legacy into yeah. the future of this game. But on the other hand, you've described a toddler for yourself, which is, I mean, I know because I have one, really right. challenging. So yeah. I'm just going to give you uh, five points for that. Would you please make sure you put in um, in disadvantages that you have a dependent worth five points he's not yep. going to show up all the time but um uh, and he actually helps you in a way so i'm only giving you five points for it okay um and uh maybe later you'll say i want to spend those five points to get such and such a thing and we will we'll figure it out we'll we'll rule it somehow if I'm i gonna have go to, to sacrifice my boy like abraham i will <laughs> oh for wow five points. Oh, poor willem Got dark. Uh, poor, poor crumb, I think. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's finally ask Matthew, which character did you choose and why? I chose the fair peasant, uh, m- mostly because of his secret. I have a disadvantage. It's a secret. Should I keep that secret or should I, re- can I, should I reveal that now? Um, you certainly, you certainly can reveal it if you like. I, I think that one thing I'd like to establish is that all three of these characters are related in some way. So, um, you know, Eric, you just said that Bertram's father died. So perhaps uh, you are brothers with a 50 year old or half brothers with a 50 year old. Uh, Yo- uh, what was it again? Uh, what's your character's name again, Clint? Oh, Leo Frick. Leo Frick. So perhaps you are uh, brothers with Leo Frick. Uh, and I think that it's possible they would be privy to your secret, uh, Matthew, uh, your character's secret, but if the secret got out to the community, it would really hurt you. Do you want to tell the audience about it? I would love to tell the audience about it. Uh, I am sleeping with the Miller's spouse. So me and the Miller's wife have been, uh, she, uh, she and I have been doing a little bit of, uh, some assignations in the, the silos nearby, perhaps, or the, yes, the hay piles a little. Yeah. So, uh, yes, he also has, uh, among his 
skills, he's also uh, one of my better skills is public speaking. And his IQ is rather low. So I thought he probably has some sort of political aspirations. Um, that's very, very possible. So, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, you'll see that the fair peasant isn't super skillful at some of the things the other peasants are, are good at, like farming. But uh, the, the fair peasant is healthier. The fair peasant is attractive, which means you get a bonus to reaction roles from various characters. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, the fair peasant and the fair peasant has public speaking and can charm people over. So that's something the other characters cannot do. Um, should we establish that all three of these characters are brothers? Does that sound, uh, I think that's fun. That's fun. Okay. We have the same father with various different mothers. Um, it sounds like that's probably what happened, which I don't think would have been completely, uh, unheard of uh, back in uh, the year 1314 where we're starting our story. So your father uh, had a yard land of 30 acres and each of you has inherited just 10 acres which is not much and uh, some of that must be left fallow every year. Uh, A bad harvest means very hard times for your character Uh, and you may wish that you were a villain a tenant who is the property of the manor lord because they often get taken care of because they are assets you guys are free men so you rise and fall on your harvest a little bit now each of you as a free man has indulged some other uh training so maybe that'll be your saving grace if you were to um if you were to fall short at harvest time but i'd like to set a scene now if i could i think that uh we're gonna start in uh autumn of 1314 and i think you've just brought the harvest in and i think it was a good harvest and everyone is breaking bread uh in the home of probably yofric is it yofric leofric leofric Leofric. i'm gonna call him leo oh and what is your character's name matthew oh his name is wilkie he's also named william but he goes by wilkie wilkie so we have wilkie bertram and Leo, Leofric. Okay, so you're breaking bread in Leofric's home. And um, this is uh, kind of a unique way I'm going to run this game. I want you to think about what you your character's aspirations would be at this point in their life. Uh, and then you're going to get an opportunity to try to sort of pursue those aspirations over seasons. So we'll, we'll be taking turns, but each turn will be like fall, winter, spring, uh, and I'll ask you to either pick a goal that maybe would take you the entire season to sort of pursue or set a scene of like one thing that happened to you during that season. Maybe like a smaller, like, you know, something that happened, you know, in a half hour or a day, um, something that's maybe doesn't cover the entire season. But you you have one scene that season that you can set for yourself. But right now I'm going to start it all off with everybody breaking bread at Leo Frick's house and sort of discussing uh, the coming winter. Um, so uh, what would you be eating? That's that's the question, right? So this being a, uh, a medieval home of not a lot of means, you'd be eating bread. Probably the bread would be hard and brown. Uh, and you would use it to scoop and scoop up and eat the pottage. Pottage was a stew that was sort of left on the hearth all the time, like nonstop. It just kind of hung over a fire and pottage would get everything in it that uh, they found a use for everything. So a pottage might have leeks in it. It might have radishes. It might have oats. 
uh, uh, but it was a, like a kind of a big porridge. Um, and I think this being a, a happy day where you've just brought in the harvest and you're sort of celebrating, maybe there are bits of bacon in the pottage today. Uh, so you're drinking, uh, you're drinking water, and you're eating pottage and uh, and brown bread in uh, in Leo Frick's very small, probably uh, what what they call bay, probably one bay house, meaning it's kind of one room. Um, unless Leo Frick, do you have any um, do you have any family members that live in there with you? Do you think Leo Frick lives alone? He has uh, tried to marry several times, and it's never quite taken. Uh, yeah, so he's he's still looking for someone to share his bay with him. So that is it's unusual, but it's completely fine to be single. That is an example of a goal you might choose, you know, and you might talk about right now. You might say Leofric decides that he's going to find a wife to marry in the next couple seasons, uh, and you might talk about that right now. You might say, "Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna." Um, Expand my 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 farmland. I'm gonna I'm gonna do really well. Make some money and buy more farmland. You might, or another thing, or a third thing I haven't thought of. But um, just be imaginative and think of anything that you know you think you'd want your character to do. So uh, here we are. It's nice and warm. Um, the uh, autumn sun is setting. the The leaves are falling from the trees, but the harvest has been brought in, and you're all eating brown bread and pottage in Leo Frick's house. Can we say grace before we eat? I dream of nothing else. Uh, us, me brother. too. Oh, dear brother. Well, how oh, holy Lord, thank you for helping us bring in the harvest. Thank you for this beautifully brown gruel that we will soak up with our brown bread as we drink our plain water. In such a beautiful feast, such a bounty that you have given upon us. Blessed be the Holy Mother whom I've met. Blessed be Jesus Christ. And blessed be all of us, my fair brother, the even more fair Wilkie. It's so great to be all with you. The end. Amen. Let's eat. (laughs) That was one of the shorter ones. (laughs) Oh, I'm inspired to eat. We, uh, we've worked hard. We deserve a break. Uh, not all harvests are as bountiful as this one. We should count ourselves lucky. Ready for the winter. I prefer to count us as blessed. Right. What are you guys doing for the winter? I will roll my eyes and look over at Wilkie first. R- Wilkie shares your, shares, rolls your eyes back very subtly and with a lot of charm. Uh, what, what, what are your plans for the winter, brothers? Do you plan to, to, to better yourselves in some way? Um, ah, uh, yes. I plan to pray a great deal. I plan to teach my beloved Willem to walk in the way of the Lord. I, um, I can't read, but I've been trying to memorize all of the book of Genesis, and I'm, like, three chapters in. I want to conquer the fourth and the fifth this summer. Prove it. And What? <laughs> Prove it, did you say? Yeah, yeah. We, we You're so smart you. and we, mystical. We, we, well, actually, you could prove it right now. I'd um, like to. Your character has a skill that would probably uh, allow Indeed, him I to have the theology skill. 
That's right. Uh, and has, you have paid close attention at Mass. And so, if you'd like, you can roll your 3d6 and see if you can roll under your theology. Uh, I got a total of six, and my theology is, uh, I believe, 14. You probably regret what you just asked, Wilkie, because yes. uh, <laughs> our friend Bertram now recites most of the book of Genesis while you all sit at table. But the good news for you is, if I'm getting my history correct, it's all in Latin, which none of us understand. So it's a phonetic <laughs> memorization. Oh my god, you're right. It would have been in Latin. Yeah. So, y- yeah, uh, you have you have memorized what the priests say, and you don't even understand it necessarily. You just yeah. uh, have memorized all of the weird... Wow, that's f- amazing! Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. this monotone it song. It just takes practice. you got to have an ear for it, and I've been blessed. By the Lord. Most priests wouldn't be able to do that, uh, but uh, you have an ear for it, I guess. I need, I've got an ear for it, yeah. It was beautiful, brother. I don't, I don't know what it means. But me that's, neither. Yeah. I'm told that it's a story about the beginning of life and Adam and Eve. We, we all know the story, but it just sounds more like it's from God's lips when it comes from the language of the ancients. Now, Bertrand mentioned... Yeah, Bertram mentioned that he was going to be caring for his son uh, during the coming uh, seasons. So Uh, we could set it up to where we kind of roll to see how that goes for Bertram. And that's a great example of a goal you could kind of choose uh, for the coming months. Um, uh, But he also asked uh, Leofric and Wilkie what they were planning on for the coming months. Well, uh... With a, with this bounty, we've bought ourselves a little bit of um, time, and uh, I think time is spent making something new. Um, maybe a business amongst the brothers, something to better us all. Um, uh, I might have a connection with the Miller. You don't say. It. I don't want to go too far, but maybe we could get a sweetheart deal on something. Maybe you would buy a bit more of our our product? We do or do not know about uh, your dalliance with his spouse. I think you probably know, but I don't think he knows you know. (laughs) That makes sense. Uh, I think we should be staying away from the Miller. Uh, he's He's a man of strong shoulders and short temper. Uh, the Miller needs a name, I think. Uh, and the Miller's name is Godwin. Godwin. And uh, just no, no, for no particular reason, what's the Miller's wife's name? Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Matilda is his wife's name. Um, so it sounds like Leofric wants to uh, build some sort of side business. I'm thinking, you know, uh, our, we're not going to get more acreage. Uh, or is there more acreage to be had without buying it from one of our neighbors? You would have to buy it from one of your neighbors. Uh, or actually, yeah, and and uh, and you would um, you would still pay rent to the Lord, even though you'd taken on more acreage, because it, it doesn't ever unless he he hasn't sold it to you outright. You're you're tenant farmers. Uh, so for that reason, you know we are we're on the coast, right? 
Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, to be more specific about where we are in England, we are outside of Portsmouth, England, which is down on the English Channel, and it's a very important port uh, in this time period, in the 1300s. Um, it's an island, Portsmouth, but I think that you're you're all, all the way inland a little bit, uh, uh, not out on the island where, where the town itself is located. You're a little bit in the country where uh, the estates of various lords could be farmed. So, yeah, I was waiting for other ideas, but I'd like to pitch a business to you. I'm listening. Are you ready? Listen. Nails. It's a growth industry. We start building nails and we can sell them to the people at port. Boats need them. The cities on the shores need them. Nails. I love it. Without exciting, nails... Our savior would never have been able to deliver us to grace. <laughs> we'll sell them in packs of three. Perfect. I, I can't a... make a profit, though. I don't want to get too wealthy. I don't want to rise above my station. Hopefully, we're only modestly successful. Leofric That's... exchanges a look with... Or, or Wilkie exchanges a look with Leofric. We'll be sure not to let you get too profitable, brother. Thank you. I'll do whatever I can to prevent that sort of damage to my soul. Um, I have a bit of... I've been dabbling. I dabble in pottery. Would that be hmm. useful to our nail business? Uh, well, you have to give people the nails in some sort of receptacle. I like it. I'll make pots for our nails. Done. Uh, looks like Wilkie is going to assist. Uh, well, it sounds like everybody's going to assist with uh, this nail business. Um, uh, look, I think that um, we should uh, close the scene and then start into uh, our plans for the winter and then the spring. So, uh, but before we do, uh, how do you think the night ends? Well, you men- none, of, none of what you mentioned included any alcohol. Ah, yes. Do we have access to mead or an ale of some kind? Or It's a luxury, but I think that uh, it's a special night, so maybe you have a little bit of ale. Um, uh, I, Wilkie ends the night uh, drunk and uh, maybe stumbling in the direction of the, the millery. The milliners. Uh, he's going to get himself killed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but let's not stop him. Uh, we, I will instead uh, stay in and uh, put young Crumb to bed while his drunken father wanders into the dark night. Oh, Crumb is no, Bertram's no, Crumb son. is my child. No, oh, I'm not, sorry, not Matthews. Apologies. You know, I we've have been, no children. We've been three men and a for so long. Um, so uh, you're going to stay in. You're going to uh, have a quiet night in. Uh, is that correct, uh, Leo Frick? Yes. Okay, and then uh, how, how how might our friend uh, Bertram end the night? Oh, I'm going to uh, spend the final two hours of the evening on my knees on the hard wooden floor, supplicating myself before an image of the Holy Mother, remembering that time in the middle of a cave when she appeared to me and led me to salvation. Um, the crazy thing about Bertram is that he's he's a pretty realistic medieval peasant. 
the people really were this religious and they really did believe that they saw visions. Uh, they believed that the devil was about in the land. Oh, uh, they sure. were, yeah. And they really, really felt that these things were a, a major part of their life that affected them every day. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let's move on into winter. Um, uh, it sounded like you were going to try to kind of get a side hustle going with nails, uh, my friend, Leo Frick. So what do you think you would roll for the winter to try to start that up to get that going? Uh, so I do have the skill blacksmith and mm-hmm. I'm, I chose nails specifically because it feels like we wouldn't need much to get started. Right. Right. Uh, so uh, if I can do my blacksmith skill, uh, that's what that's what I try and roll. You know, Make I'm gonna I'm gonna allow that. Here's what I'm gonna say. Normally, blacksmithing would be you have the materials and you're just crafting the item, right? Sure. But you are actually trying to uh, find and do deals that you know mm. to get the metal to like start creating the nails. So I'm gonna say that that's gonna be blacksmithing minus four. Okay. Uh, and it's that. very hard to change your lot in life. I think in in the modern day that that's true, but I think also, especially in medieval times, it was hard to kind of change who you were. So if you're a tenant farmer and you want to get, become more of a blacksmith, it could be tricky. That's why I'm levying this this modifier of negative four. But over the winter, you try to do this, and let's see how it goes. So minus four means I'm rolling for seven uh, on 3d6. Mm-hmm. But I've got a little something in my back pocket that doesn't go. So I have rolled a seven, eight, nine. So that is a failure. However, um, Leofric is possessed of some degree of luck. So uh, if at first he fails, he will try, try again. Meaning I get to take a best of three re-roll. How many times do you get to do that? Once per game hour. Once per game hour. So we're playing for two hours today. So are you going to spend your first re-roll to get these nails? I am. Okay, go for it. This could change our lives. Uh, So seven, eight, (laughs) a failure. And um, 17. (laughs) So the, the best I did was eight. So uh, here's what... uh, Does your character have the struggling disadvantage? I do not. Okay. uh, Would you like to take take that disadvantage and say that you've had to, like, use up a considerable amount of your own resources in order to procure the metal that you needed to begin this business? Would that... If I take a struggling disadvantage right now, it would give me a plus one, so I made the roll. Is that what we're saying? Oh, I'm just coming up with a way that this could this could happen for you, but it, it comes at a cost, right? Yes. Uh, so, uh, what few resources I had, I've expended here, and I'm now yes. in some amount of debt. Yes. You're ruining yourself with this disastrous nail uh, <laughs> business idea. Uh, uh, yes. uh, uh, you'd think an older man would be wiser, but uh, uh, Leofric always has a scheme. Now I'm going to turn to Wilkie, I think. Wilkie, uh, over the winter, or would you like that you can set a specific scene of one thing that happened to you, or you can just, like like Leofric just did, pick a goal for the entire winter. What would you like to do? I mean, I kind of want to assist Leofric in our nail business. Ah, um, well, that would help considerably. Um, how are you going to uh, help? What are you going to roll? 
I have two options. One is that I could roll my roll uh, my pottery to make the packaging for the nails that much more attractive. Yeah. Um, or I was thinking maybe I could be the face of the business, and I could I I don't know what I would roll for exactly, but I could go out and perhaps try to hawk our wares as a a fair uh, a fair and uh, well liked public speaker. Okay, this could help. This could help considerably. Um, I think that having somebody who is good at speaking uh, would help procure this. Uh, you don't have the. Let me see the bargaining. There's a, there's a skill called bargaining, and you don't have that skill, but you do have a, a decent IQ. I believe there's a skill called bargaining. Am I right, Mister Clinton Trucks? Do you remember? I don't believe there is. Maybe barter. Is barter a skill? No, I don't see that either. Um, so I'm just going to make a decision. I think that this is going to be... Uh, it's not quite public speaking, because you're really trying to like wheel and deal for the, for the, for the metal to make these nails. I think we're um, talking about the merchant skill. Ah, the merchant skill. Would you like to try to roll that? Uh, it will, it'll be like your IQ at like a slight uh, disadvantage. Or you could just work on your pottery. It's up to you. Mm, I mean, I think I'll... I, I want to help the business, so I think I'm going to... I'll, I'll roll the merchant skill, so I'm going to, so I'm going to take... My IQ is a nine. Yeah, let me see what merchant... So, one one thing that's incredible about GURPS is there's a hundred skills, and all of them default to something. So, it says it up, that Jared. merchant defaults to IQ minus five. Okay, so that so is you're highly tr- unlikely. What is but that? A, what would you have to roll under? Four. Oh, that is almost impossible. Would you still like to try to attempt it, or would you like to try to uh, work on your pottery instead, or, or some other thing? No, Wilkie is undaunted, and he will try his hardest to help the business in any way he knows you know, knows how. So I'm going to roll. Here's here's one thing that's interesting: a roll of a three or a four is always a critical success. So if you're able to do this, you will have critically succeeded. Okay. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. I don't have any luck, I don't think. So I have to. So this is. I only, I only get one shot at this. Yeah. Well, I didn't roll. I didn't get it. I rolled a uh, ooh, an eleven. An eleven. No. So Wilkie is absolutely no help uh, in uh, in getting you the, the the. So you guys have managed to procure a little bit of metal, enough that it's kind of uh, really strapped. Leofric's funds, but you haven't gotten quite enough to get a full business going selling nails. I'm going to, and that that is the winter of 1314 into 1315. I'm going to now turn to Bertram. Uh, what do you do for the winter of 1314, 1315? Well, Bertram is a little bit self-conscious about how much he's going to be able to help with the nail business, and he's even more worried about the nail business being successful to the point that he rises above his station in a way that's going to not work out for anyone. And so uh, he wants to go into town, into Portsmouth Town, and see if he can't suss out some uh, opportunities for the business that he could then bring back. Because the one thing he does know is he's pretty well connected uh, in the town of Portsmouth itself. In terms of like, well... The way that he likes to stay connected is he really likes listening to the town criers uh, in Portsmouth. So he's going to spend some time listening to the town criers and see if he can learn about any burgeoning business opportunities that might need nails uh, so I can connect a customer to the business. And um, he has three choices of town criers in Portsmouth. The first 
is a Welshman named Siannon. And uh, he just kind of delivers the news straight. And, and it's not, it doesn't really play to Bertram's uh, prejudices in a way that he finds helpful. He would never listen to the scurrilous Miss Anne of Brittany, who is a French woman who is spreading foreign propaganda and trying to de-sort of emphasize the church and things. No. Bertram, as a God-fearing peasant, prefers Reynard, the town crier, who is more in line with the theology that he follows. So he's going to spend some time with Reynard, the town crier, hanging on every word and really just kind of listening how to behave. And if there's a business opportunity that comes out of that... That'd be great, but mostly he just wants his biases confirmed. So he's like, I didn't Alice know. Jones I didn't know Crimes. any of the. I didn't know any of this about any of the town criers or any of this about Portsmouth yeah. Town. This is why yeah. it's always a good idea to play with game masters because they help fill in <laughs> uh, and connect the dots. Uh, Eric, uh, I think that you need to roll something for me, and if you are yeah. just listening, if you're just kind of listening for hints and yeah. ideas, then maybe you roll your perception. Okay, your perception. Okay. Yeah, uh, over the entire good. season. Let's try That's that. That's a 12. So, oh, uh, no. Uh, I got a 12 exactly. And then you succeed. And Yay. so, um, uh, although you guys don't have all of the material you need as the winter ends, you do have some ideas of specific, like, markets where you could uh, get these nails sold if you could just get them made. You have a little bit of material, Leo Frick, as you head into spring of 1315. So do you want to go ahead and start working uh, the metal that you have, or do you want to continue to try to procure enough to really get a real business going? I think I'm going to work this metal with the hope that we have samples that we can then use to get pre-sales to buy what we need to make and is anybody helping him uh, to, to work this metal or helping? It sounds like everybody is totally all in on this nail business. Is that right? It's genius. I just want to remind everybody that you do have uh, uh, farms to work. And so we are going to deal with that in, in a little bit after we find out what happens. I, I mean, I love this game so far. I'm on the edge of my seat about this nail business. You know, uh, it's a growth I, industry. It is a growth industry. People need nails, and these brothers uh, who probably don't even have a last name because last names weren't quite invented yet, um, they all are trying to improve their lot in life, and I and I hope that they can do it. Uh, go ahead. Let's see if you can make these samples. Let's see how well you do, Leo Frick. Okay. Rolling my black. So you set up a skill. little kind of a, a primitive forge in your house. Uh, Jared, I rolled a four. On 11. Ooh. That's a critical. That's a critical. These are great friggin' nails. They're wow. beautiful. And not only that, I think that with the very small amount of material that you had, you were able to create a lot. So you have enough where you have a sellable resource now where you could make some money. All right. Um, and I so I'll turn to, yeah, Bertram, go ahead. I dare say these nails are suitable for the Lord himself. Yes. All right. All right. I so we just that. need a beautiful receptacle to sell them in. Yes, and I will say that as you finish uh, pounding uh, that last nail out, um, you look uh, out uh, of your home and you see that rain has started falling. Heavy rain has started uh, spraying across the coastal plain of Portsmouth. 
uh, and the sky has gone very gray. What would uh, what? Let's go to Bertram now. Bertram, what would you like to do with the spring of thirteen fourteen? I'm sorry, thirteen fifteen. We're in thirteen fifteen um, now. I guess uh, I would like to. I'm feeling a little bit like I've put too much into earthly pursuits with this nail business, and so yeah. as I'm excited that it seems to be lifting off in a, out. in a way, I'm also extraordinarily guilty, and so I need to go to the church. I want to check uh, in with Agnes the Anchoress, uh, who uh-huh. just lives in a little tiny room associated on the side of the church. She can't leave. Yes. She's like a brilliant, you know, prophet. And I hang on her every word, so much so that lately I have been haunted by dreams in which the face of my beloved dead wife Beatrix is kind of like superimposed with Agnes's face in a way that I, I cannot deal with. But I'm also weirdly attracted to it. But I need her Bertram. wisdom. But I can't. Yeah, it's just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to the church. Listen to me. Well, I take heed. Yes. Are your ears open to receive the word of the of our God? My ears open and my eyes are closed and my brain is empty and it is ready to be filled. Hard times are coming. <gasps> the judgment of the Lord shall be levied against us all. Man has grown wicked. That's true. Listen. And listening, you hear the sound of the rain against the church, and you also hear a peal of thunder in the sky. Prepare, Bertram. Prepare. The judgment of the Lord is coming. I can feel it. Are you ready to receive his judgment? I, I, I stand ready. I, my arms are open. My, my, my mind is, is open. I, 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 I just want what is best for my, my Willem. Will I will Willem say, survive? We, should, we, should, we should explain what an anchoress is. Oh, my God. Basically, our friend Bertram is talking to a holy woman who is sort of walled up inside of the church uh, and who never leaves a, a tiny sort of uh, cell that she has chosen to take inside of the church. And so from the dark aperture where people speak to Agnes, you are hearing her voice and she's saying, Willem is another mouth to feed. God helps those who help themselves, Bertram. Prepare, prepare. There's not much time before his judgment comes. I will, I will prepare. I I will, I will raise Willem to the light. Thank you, Agnes. Thank you for your wise words. And uh, as I reflect and stand up, I try to sneak a peek at just the light shining against the contours of her habit through the little hole and just kind of <laughs> store that away in the old bank. Sure, away. yeah. She looks exactly like your departed wife for a moment. Okay, and now with the- that, I gotta go all the way around in the front door and I'm gonna kneel for like four hours and just pray to God at the altarpiece. Very good. Uh, very good. Um, uh, give me a, a will roll. Do you see Already? where your willpower score is? It's equal to your IQ. I, I do. Oh my gosh. I got a seven uh, under 12. So I believe that you uh, can go even longer than four hours. <sighs> you, 
and the priests are all very impressed by your piousness. Um, and that is your scene for the spring of 1315. It's oh. partly piousness, but it's mostly the calluses that I've built up on my knees and shins over <laughs> years. So right. I'll take I mean, that, that's a key. You know, there's a craft element to it. Yes. You know, sure, you have to be inspired, but you also just need to have the calluses. Yep. Um, and so now I turn to Wilkie. Wilkie, in the spring of 1315, uh, what do you do? Wilkie is torn because um, he's starting to feel old. He's reached the ripe old age of 19. Uh, and he is still unmarried, uh, but he is—he's uh, starting to find that his dalliance with Matilda, the miller's wife, uh, has become a bit more like love. And I think he's very torn. He wants to help his brothers with their nail business and make the pots he promised. Also, you know, like he needs to like—if he wants to leave something behind, perhaps he can do so by creating a lineage. And he wants to try to woo Matilda away. From uh, Godric was the guy was the Godwin Godwin, um, very good. Well, I can tell you that there was no such thing as divorce in the year thirteen fifteen. <laughs> um, so this there is, is quite, murder. There is a such thing as murder, uh, and uh, such thing things did happen. Um, so uh, I will tell you that the Miller uh, and his wife Matilda are are way better off than you. So <gasps> you're sort of uh, hanging out in a much nicer home when you go and you dally with her um you are you are you're like the poor kid that uh she is kind of spending her time with so i want to hear uh i want, I want you to set the scene you and uh she uh are perhaps are do, do are you in her home or are you in a meadow somewhere i think we'd probably be in a meadow mm, and so i can tell you that the rain surprised you uh, uh- and I, Suddenly there was a downpour and you both had to take shelter under a tree. Yeah, I gallantly so guide her underneath a tree. I said, this might be the perfect time to tell you I've composed a poem in your honor. Really? Really? You don't say. Let's hear I, this poem. I do say. Excuse me. And he, like, he, he draws himself up to his full height. And he goes, Matilda. 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 Your beauty is great Matilda <laughs> that was your poem yes it's, it's, I composed it especially for you that's why I used your name so I many times shit out a bit of, I could shit out a better poem oh, by well, the way people in uh, the 1300s had a very filthy mouths and uh, especially peasant folk and talked a lot about um, shit and piss uh, and she's basically saying your poem's a turd well, if my poem is shit, you do better. All right, let me think. Ah, uh, Wilkie. Your face makes me smile. Your arms make me shake. Your love makes me quake. Take me by the lake. Shall uh, we go to the lake? Wilkie is so turned on by the sheer <laughs> ego trip she has just delivered him that he he takes her directly to the lake. Uh, very good. Um, so uh, you take her to the lake, but it's 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 just pouring rain, and I got to tell you, the rain is coming down so hard that it's hard to just it's hard to kind of get business done outside. Uh, but do you go ahead and engage in your dalliance like of this? Of course, of course. 
Okay, um, so the end result is that you are both uh, going to be returning home back to the community thoroughly soaked through in a way that is noticeable and uh, kind of unusual. Um, And as you are returning, uh, we are going to go ahead and skip over the details of your dalliance. Uh, As you are returning, you will uh, will, see that Matilda is uh, actually quite upset, quite agitated, worried that her husband will wonder why she has been out in the rain. All right, we can can figure this out. We can figure this out. Let's say... be ruined. Ruined. Nope. We're not ruined yet. He's going to know. What He'll if? kill you. He'll kill you, Wilkie. I'd like to see him try. But let's say, let's say, let's say, you were out gathering flowers, wildflowers, and I was out uh, on a business trip for my burgeoning nail business, and then the rain caught you by surprise and I saved your life, and maybe your husband will reward me for my bravery. All right. Uh, shall I tell him or shall you? Mechanically speaking, which one of us is the better storyteller? <laughs> uh, I think that's you. And I'm going to be a really nice game master and allow you to use your public speaking uh, okay. skill. So you arrive back at the mill. They literally live and are attached to a mill where the, where the miller works. Uh, and Godwin comes out and is like, Woman! Where have you been? Why, you've been soaked by the rain. Boy, what's the meaning of this? Well, you see, sir, I was out on a business trip for my burgeoning nail business that I co-own with my brothers, who you most assuredly know because it's a small community. And I spotted your, your, your respectable wife here gathering wildflowers, and then the rain caught us both unawares, and I said, The miller... The miller would be very upset if his wife died, so I will do the right thing and save her life and deliver her back home safely to you. Um, a completely believable story. Go ahead and roll your public speaking skill at plus two. Okay. I gotta roll an 11. Or under. I rolled a 15. Okay, so I'm gonna say success with a cost. The miller... Uh, Get in the house, Matilda. He pulls his wife into the house and is like, I'm watching you, boy. Don't come around here anymore. I've seen you hanging about. God gave you a body to do work, and that's what you should be doing. Not lazing about these these parts. Stay away. I'm warning you. And without warning, we are going to take a quick ad break. And when we get back... We are going to learn more about the lives of these three brothers here as we play GURPS on the Glass Cannon Network. Welcome back. It's the 14th century, and we are here with our three peasants who are brothers, uh, and they're trying to start a nail business while uh, also uh, following other passions in their life, Uh, their, uh, their love for God or their love for a married woman. Uh, either way, things are getting interesting uh, as we move into the second half of our first episode here. And so uh, now I'm going to have us uh, arrive at the summer of 1315. And the thing I'm going to tell you about the summer of 1315 is that the rain has fallen all of the spring and it continues to fall through the summer. The summer does not get warm. The skies stay gray 
and torrential rains continue to fall and fall. And while you're off dallying with married women and in the meadow, while you're in your church praying to your God, the wheat crop, the main crop that all of you make your living at is just being pummeled with rain. The stalks are bending it's never getting dry. You know that uh, wheat is ready to harvest when it's completely dry and no longer green. This wheat is just being pummeled by rain all summer long. And so uh, before you bring in the harvest in the autumn, you have the season of summer to do one more thing. Uh, so I would like for uh, Leofric, uh, and let, let's, let's, let's do this quickly. What do you do in the summer? Well, it sounds like we should be trying to uh, save what crop we can or at least our fields like is this sort of rain where like topsoil is going to be washed away and stuff like that we uh in fact uh in some places that's already happening um there's a kind of minor flooding happening uh yeah if we can start to uh wall or sort of you know dike off our our plots so that we don't lose everything for the next season great i think that sounds like a farming skill role would you please give me that role Sure. Oh, by the way, it's, uh, making a dike to uh, against flooding is not a normal everyday farming uh, occurrence. So, at negative two, please. Sure. This, uh, you know, it might be digging. Since I actually am not a mason or a carpenter or anything like that, this might just be digging <laughs> trenches to, uh, you know, redirect water. Yeah. Let's see how you do. Rolling for 11, and I got 8, 9, 10. Very well done. So you have already made um, the process of maybe uh, harvesting some of this crop, saving some of it. You made it a little easier. You've prevented your field from flooding. Um, so very well done. Summer 1315, Bertram, what do you do? Um, well, uh, I've been praying to Pope Clement V for months and nothing is changing with this rain. And so regretfully, I need to de-emphasize my religious fervor for a moment and really kind of get back to the land. You know, I was raised a farmer. The fields are in trouble. Uh, Leofric uh, did a great job with the dikes. I'm going to try to use my farming skills to set up some... um, temporary cover for some of the wheat so that it can dry out a little better. So like half the day we let it get the sun, then we cover it up so it does not constantly get rained on. I don't know if that's a good idea, but I had a dream and the Holy Mother herself was putting like umbrellas above the wheat and I need to make that fulfilled whether it works or not. God gave you a vision of an invention called an umbrella. And so you are trying to kind of cover the wheat. Um, I, my researchers didn't say that anybody tried anything like this, so I'm going to say it's probably unusual. Roll farming at negative two, please. All right, so I need to get under a nine. Uh, unfortunately, I got a ten. Okay, um, so uh, your makeshift uh, tarps. <laughs> Uh, are not keeping the water out, or maybe they're not. It's raining so hard you can't keep them up. They fall down, and so the wheat, um, although it is not flooded uh, because of Leofric's dike system, it at least uh, 
it, it at least isn't flooded, but but your 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 plan did not work. And so uh, now I turn to Wilkie. Wilkie, summer thirteen fifteen. What do you do? I think Wilkie also wants to help to save the farm in his own way, and he's going to use his farming skill. I'm just trying to think of something that Wilkie, with his limited intelligence and limitless ego, would come up with to say, help save the wheat. Um, he could. But so, I mean, like the other thing, the other the other insight I have is maybe we can dive, find a way to diversify our holdings a bit, and maybe I can go into I can use my knowledge at Portsmouth to go into town to maybe find someone who I don't know. Could we, we parcel like sell wet wheat for any use, like manure or? Right now, right now, right now in the summer of 1315, the harvest has any, it's not even ready to harvest the wheat yet. So you couldn't sell the wheat, but if you wanted to use your area knowledge to find, um, you know, uh, a place that might buy something else off of you, uh, you'd have to tell me what that is. Yeah. You could, you could kind of find a side business opportunity that might help you when the harvest fails. You're kind of preparing for the harvest to fail possibly, right? Well, let's, then let's just stick with the nails thing. Maybe I can I use my area knowledge to find someone who might be able to help us like expand yes. our nail business. Absolutely. A- another blacksmith perhaps? Yeah. Alright. Good idea. Area knowledge. Uh, unmodified. Okay. Okay, I got it exactly. I had to roll under an 8 and I got an 8. Oh, excellent. Okay, so you find a blacksmith uh, whose name is Thomas, and Thomas the blacksmith is willing to um, he's willing to kind of go into this nail business with you, and uh, he can because he, he sees how fine and beautiful Leofric's nails are because Leofric scored a critical, and he's like, "I'll provide you with some material, but you know, I get a portion of the of your profits." I think that's essential for growth. Uh, very good. So you have found uh, you found a, a, a way that you're going to be able to make some money even after the harvest fails. Um, so uh, let's go ahead now and let us skip to when you bring the harvest in. Um, the wheat is bent and sodden. Uh, it does not look savable at all but perhaps there are some stocks that can be saved this really happened to uh everybody in northern europe basically in the year 1315 for years the climate had been a bit warmer the population had grown to just barely a sustainable amount of people uh eating the food that was uh grown and then in the year 1315 it rained all spring and all summer and ruined the staple crop of wheat. And this was known as the Great Famine of 1315. And let us see. Uh, I, I, I now require a farming roll from each of you. Uh, and because of the dikes worked, I'm going to make you make that farming roll at only negative two <coughs> to see uh, how much crop you're able to save. All right. Um, is this a thing we can like? We're a team, right? So we're trying to save each. And I thought our- that maybe you would be working your ten-acre plot of land each on your own, but it sounds like you guys have been working as a team the whole time. So yeah, you can work as a team. And uh, we were one thirty-acre plot that was split in ten, so we're also all, you know, adjacent plots. One presumes. So what's good for one is good for the other. So, uh, 
Uh, Wilkie got it. I got I got a six, which is his. I mean, at a minus two. Amazing. Well, I'm still lawyering for bonuses, but yes, oh, I'll sorry. just go for that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, Wilkie got it. That's excellent. Uh, what about you, uh, Leo Frick? What's the bonus you want to lawyer for? Uh, uh, teamwork is what I was uh, searching for here. Okay, um, yeah. Um, uh, I will uh, say uh, that even with the help there's a lot of land to work for three guys i mean so so i think that uh we're uh, the 10 acres that uh that uh wilkie was kind of in charge of he's done pretty well he's managed to salvage as much as you possibly could so last little bit of lawyer with three adjacent plots oh this is why jared hates me i know clint is always like and here's why you didn't hit my character an essay by clinton truck (laughs) (laughs) So, with three adjacent plots, if we're all working together, it's possible that some plots have fared better than others, and we might do ourselves a favor by letting one that sits on lower ground just go, and then attempting to truly save, you know, two others. Uh, is that okay? So, do you want to just work on Bertram's plot? It looks like uh, Wilkie's plot, plot is, is okay. Whatever plot is like, like sat- most savable, right? We're trying to okay. It's Bertram's plot, right? Oh, it's. By the grace of Mary herself, it was the army. So you're abandoning your plot to work on Bertram's plot. I am prioritizing Bertram's plot <laughs> with the idea that if any of them can be saved, we can defeat all of us. We're just okay, going to jump on crop rotation by leaving yes. one of the fields. Found. Right. Yeah. I know. I, I, there was a portion, of, I think I was assuming that there's a portion of each of your 10 acres that you leave fallow anyway, but uh, very well. Uh, this time you're you're really becoming ultra efficient. Go ahead. It's still at negative two, my friend. Uh, well, two and five, seven. So I was rolling for a nine. Success. Success. And finally, uh, Bertram, how did you do? Uh, the Holy Mother has also blessed me with a seven under nine. So success. Oh, my God. God be praised. It, it was uh, so. So We're going to um, live. You are going to live. You are going to live. Um, here's how long you have. Business will will we'll plummet. I'd say that since you all have a success, um, we're going to see how many seasons worth of food you have, and then the money you made from the, you're going to make from the nails is just in addition. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, uh, I think that uh, each of you can roll. 2d6 and that's how many um that's how many months uh, or i'm sorry seasons of food you have 2d6 and that's how many seasons of food you each have. of us roll yeah god be praised Yeesh. uh well uh, how'd you do i did terribly i rolled three okay so you only have three seasons worth of uh food how about uh, you, my friend, uh, Eric Mona, uh, playing Bertram? I have been blessed with an 11. God okay, has so shined have, a ray of sun through the clouds for us. You have crops to sell. Yes. Um, and uh, how about you, my friend, uh, Wilkie? Young Wilkie rolled a nine. A nine. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of, of crops to sell. And uh, I think that since you said you were all working together... That means that you can definitely get through to the next harvest uh, and sell the rest, right? Um, sell, sell what's sell what you don't need, and then uh, pay your rent easily. So when he- 
Sir Harold Hayter comes for his rent, even though it's been a terrible harvest, and you see many of your neighbors crying out uh, and cursing as they bring their crops in uh, and bring a, a meager stores of wheat into town for selling. Uh, you guys have a full cart, uh, and you uh, you have no problem selling it off and paying your rent to Sir Harold Hayter. Uh, and um, so I'm going to just uh, skip ahead a little bit then. I think that um, uh, over the next couple months, you have plenty to eat. The famine hasn't affected you yet. So uh, as we enter winter of 1315-1316, what, uh, what do you do, Leo Frick? You have plenty to eat. Uh, so if it's winter, then I should be working on the nails. So I will. Okay, great. Um, is everybody going to continue to work on the nail business? That's completely fine. Wilkie, are you going to continue to work on that as well? Yeah, I think now that I've brought in our partner, I think I, I should, he'll double down. I think maybe he's he's decided that the only way to win Matilda uh, is to become successful uh, and uh, wait for the Miller to die. Uh, well, the Miller was ruined last season. Yeah, I, I hope imagine. the Miller was ruined by the... Oh. By the Yes. Uh, Ouch for him. In fact, that's that's what you notice is that uh, um, in the winter of uh, 13, 15, 13, 16, Matilda comes to you, Wilkie, and says, We're ruined. There's not enough food. There's not enough wheat to mill. We have nothing. Nothing to sell. What do I do, Wilkie? Do you have your do you have your your mill? Would you sell your mill? And then do what? Well, sell ourselves as serfs to the local lord? Well, Sir I Harold Hayter looking for a new villain? I would never wish that 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 destiny upon you, my dear, but your husband is a bit of a uh, well, he's a bit of a prick. And I I don't I won't I won't hide my contempt for him. He was rather short with me when I saved your life or at least that's what he did. How is it that God blesses you and punishes my husband? He's not done anything wrong. We're the ones. We're the ones. My sin. My sin has brought this down on my husband's head. Yes. Well, here's how I see it and, you know, I haven't checked with my brother or the priest about this, but I, I got it in my head. I think it works out. You see, we're all God's children and if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and he decided that you and I should fall in love, then obviously that's God's plan for us to be in love and we shouldn't fight it. It would you be the speak, pious thing to do. You speak blasphemies, Wilk. Wilkie. I speak my love for you. Is that not enough? You I still love her? Me. She's poor now. My love is not about material wealth. Leo, Frick, a- what are you doing here? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, and so, uh, so you profess your love to her and tell her that this isn't God's doing; that uh, she's been ruined, huh? Yes. Um, she says, uh, "Please, you have more than you need. You and your brothers did very well somehow. Couldn't you? Couldn't you spare some for me?" I'll figure out some sort of lie to tell my husband of how I got my hands on it. You're asking me to save not not your life, but your husband's life. Yes. And if you love me, you'll do this for me. 
any of this, Matilda. All right, I'll make you a counter-proposal. I'll speak with my brothers. What if we were to buy your mill? You don't know how the first thing about running it. Well, we'd hire your husband to do it. I'll talk to him. Uh, she goes to talk to him, and then uh, she and and he, Godwin, joins her, come to meet uh, you three brothers at Leofric's house. I understand you've got an offer to make me, yeoman. I turn to uh, Leofric. Oh, to Leofric? Business. Yeah, yeah, the business head of the family. Um, well, I'm quite sorry that, uh, as the rains have fallen, so have your fortunes. But we're a community, and we help each other here. Your mill's doing you no good, whereas we are sitting on plenty of wheat which needs milling. This might sting some, but would you say for one year's worth of uh, wheat to mill, we take ownership of your mill, and you... Uh, simply pay us a small fee to continue its operation. You and your wife will be able to live where you continue to live and do the work you continue to do, but uh, your livelihood will uh, enrich us all. Very smart having Leofric make the pitch. It was very well uh, stated, well roleplayed rather, and uh, on top of that he really did not want to hear from the guy he doesn't like, uh, Wilkie. Um, so I think that you can make an IQ roll uh, and this is sort of merchant, uh, but I'm not going to make it quite so hard as IQ negative four. I'm going to make that an IQ negative two, Clint, to see how well Leofric um, does in, in, in getting this guy to accept this deal. I uh have the plus one status respected community elder for being an advanced age of 50. Uh, will that respected community status aid me in this negotiation? Yeah, make it just a negative one then. All right. This could be huge. This could be Nine. huge. Um, negative one means I'm rolling for 11 and I've rolled a 10. Uh, very good. Um, fine. I'll pay rent to farmers. To do what I would be doing anyway. God has judged us. He's judged this land. And I must pay for our crimes against the Lord like everyone else. But one day, I promise you, I'll buy back my mill. And I'll no longer be holding to you, brothers. And he gives a dirty look to Wilkie. Wilkie. In the meantime, just do your best to live with the, the dictates of our Lord and any transgressions you or your wife may have made, repent. You must repent or you will never fall into the grace of God again. I'm a man. I'm a man of God. I, I, know, follow, I, I follow his path. My wife, I hope that she hasn't made any transgressions. Matilda? Yes, Matilda, have you made I, any transgressions against the... I can't the... think of any. Ah. I can't think of any, but right now I have to roll my IQ at negative four to not blush. <laughs> Deeply. 
and I fail miserably, and I fail so I fail in such a way because I rolled so high that I critically fail, and I run out of the house crying. Now's a good time as any to to begin the path of repentance, wouldn't you say, Mr. Miller? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Godwin. (laughs) We have a deal. He shakes Leofric's hand, and he marches out of the house after his wife. Let's skip to the spring of 1316. Now that we've doubled down our investment in in the wheat business, let's just hope the the rains let up and we're not ruining it forever. Guys, we're diversifying. We're farmers. We're, we're getting Gerps, a little bit of the mill. Gerps gives we're you good. tools to where we could get really into the economics all of all of it. But I think that what has happened is you have uh, not only a nail business, but you now have a mill miller that's paying you rents. Uh, I'm not even sure if that's legal. Uh, historians uh, could a yeoman farmer buy and it sounds it sounds legal to me. I'm going to allow it to happen. So. Uh, you have a lot of money coming in, a lot of silver pieces coming in, um, and uh, even though the crops were ruined in uh, Leofric's field, you managed to salvage a lot of what was in Wilkie and Bertram's fields. So uh, you you have milled that, you have sold it, um, uh, but in the spring of 1316, the rain continues to fall. And so what would you like to do in the spring of 1316? Let's start with, you know what? Let's start with Wilkie this time. Do whatever I can to expand our nail business. Okay, great. Um, uh, You would need to, I guess, uh, well, you already teamed up with this blacksmith, uh, Thomas, and um, he says uh, the nails are selling well. You've got to move into a different uh, item. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perhaps we can move into pots. Yes. Sure. Yes, perhaps you can start selling pottery along. So, uh, you know, there's a market day every day in Portsmouth. Uh, and so far you've been selling nails uh, alongside Thomas the blacksmith. But uh, now you're going to try your hand at pottery. So first, in order for it to be a business, you have to get your hands on the material you need. Uh, plenty of clay, although clay has to be a little easier to get your hands on than metal. So I'm yeah, gonna we're let on you... the coast, right? We can just go dig for clay. I can just go dig, right? Yeah, I'm I'm hale. I'm healthy. Can I just go out and just, like, forage and find a great clay deposit that I can just dig up and carry back? Um, yeah, maybe you can. Why don't you uh, roll IQ for me? Uh, and if you can uh, succeed in that, you have found that clay deposit. Oh, actually, area knowledge would be more appropriate and probably a better role for you, possibly. Uh, it is worse, but based on how I rolled, it doesn't matter because I rolled an 11, which is over both an 8 oh. and a 9. Okay, so um, you're not quite able to get the pottery business up and running yet. Um, uh, Bertram, what do you do here in the spring of 1316 when it's still pouring down rain? Well, um, during a family meal um, fairly early in the season, um, Bertram's been quiet for a couple of weeks and finally he sort of pipes up and he says, My brothers, I've spent much time in prayer and contemplation. For the last year I have been pleading with the Holy Mother and with God himself to relent from this rain. But he has not done so. It is so unlike God not to answer my prayers. And so it must be that the rain 
was part of his divine plan. So instead of begging that the rain stop, we must adjust our plans with the assumption that it will not stop. Noah did not look into the sky on the second day and expect that the rains would end. They continued. And so he planned accordingly, as must we. Have I ever told you the story of the day that I met our Holy Mother? Which, by the way, he's told like 150 (laughs) times. Ah, there I was, bereft after the loss of my beloved Beatrix. My faith was starting to wane, and I went to... The the anchoress. I went to the anchoress, and she instructed me to seek out the word of the Lord in Pilger's cave. And so, I wandered to the cave. And wandering around in darkness, I became lost. Three days I spent in that cave before I wandered into a room that was bathed in a beautiful, holy light, like sheets growing upon the walls of the cave. And in the center... The answers to my prayers, I was starving. And there, a profusion of toadstools and mushrooms. There, like a a great banquet feast, and I fed, and I ate all of these beautiful life-giving mushrooms, and it was only then, when the Holy Mother herself descended from the light to have audience with me, and she guided me like a beacon from Pilger's Cave back to Portsmouth into the light. So our new business it occurs is to me as I've been praying that that cavern was quite damp and those mushrooms grew in great numbers. Perhaps we can dedicate a portion of my field to cultivate mushrooms which surely would survive in the rain. So Bertram would like to use his farming skill yes. to uh, to build a portion of his field that that and just see this year if maybe toadstools and mushrooms uh good eating yeah absolutely uh, with some reservations some asterisks uh and he's just gonna try and see if he can't grow some mushrooms Far- farming at negative uh four because it's a different type of farming it's a very yes, it, yes, mycology is a bit different holy god please let me roll under an eight I will continue to be your servant. Uh, ten. Okay. Um, so uh, Bertram has been experimenting with mushrooms all spring, uh, trying to get them to grow in his field, uh, and his uh, he's become much more erratic, uh, and his uh, his speeches have become longer and weirder. Uh, and you haven't quite gotten it to work yet, Bertram, but you still have the summer before the harvest is due to be yes, brought in. Yes. So, um, and finally, uh, Leofric, what do you do with the spring of 1316? Well, to start, I'm going to try and talk Bertram out of this ridiculous plan. It's market day for these mushrooms, in my experiences, in a Starbucks parking lot in the cab of some strange guy's car. So there's just no great place to sell these. You don't want to do it. What? The, uh, the uh, mother Tundal in town puts mushrooms in her stew at all times, and it, it makes it, it raises the flavor from a two to a three. Is he? Is he, are these psilocybin mushrooms? Is he like? Uh, oh, it's a wide variety. I'm yes, ending the player, which because I love the idea that there are strange mushrooms out in this cave that made him see this vision. So uh, yeah, these mushrooms are probably. 
they probably have a strange effect on people, yes. Question for you, Bertram. Yes. Perhaps instead of cultivating the mushrooms on our land, maybe we could sell entrance to the cave where you saw, you saw the Blessed Mother. And we could make a little profit off of your religiosity. I'm very afraid that the cave is is like a maze inside. If we let people in, they may not have the same deliverance that on well, that holy God saw fit to deliver unto me. Will you, as a man of God who has led walked through the cave, can hire your services on as a religious guide and guide them? to the sanctuary you found within. That's Would that not idea. be of service, brother? Leading pilgrimages? Exactly. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, and I could have little Crumb, and he could be our torch boy, and he could make sure that the light never gutters out as it did for me all those years ago. Uh, well, Leofric, you could help them with this, or even say, you know, uh, because... Bertram has spent most of his season trying to cultivate the mushrooms in the field, but this is a great idea from Wilkie. Do you want to help them with this idea, or do you want to focus on something else in the spring of 1316? So, uh, if the rains are going to come back and my field uh, is not going to be... It's going to lay fallow at least in terms of growing wheat, uh, what's probably grown is a bunch of grass. Um, I'm going to see about getting some sheep or some other grazing animals that I can uh, serve to, to diversify once more uh, and use my portion for um, some like grazing animal like sheep or a cow or something like that. So uh, the animals suffered uh, in the famine mm. of 1315, 1316 because there was no grain to feed them um, the animals uh, you know got sick eating bad grain um, a lot of the animals became diseased, so it's no easy mm. thing to find yourself a new herd of of. Sh- you want to get some sheep, right? Well, I'm looking for something that can graze on grasses, as opposed to having to be fed from you know grains or oats or some other sort of animal. Okay, right? uh, sure. The grasses are not going to uh, fail in hard rains. Grasses will grow in rain, so mm. I'm hoping uh, that we can. Take advantage of what we've got. All right. Um, this, this, these brothers just add businesses on top of businesses. You, um, you're going to go for uh, some sheep. Is that correct? Yeah, I'll buy a couple sheep. So, uh, Leo Frick, being the practical sort, isn't interested in your wild mushroom ideas, Bertram. Um, he is going to roll animal handling, uh, but the animals are scarce. People don't want to give them up uh, in this time, in these lean times. So you can roll your animal handling at negative four, and if you get it, you have uh, procured um, some sheep for yourself. So negative four is pretty rough. Uh, so I'll be rolling for a seven. Okay. But I'll give it a shot. Uh, I will say, uh, not counting ad break, it's been an hour. <laughs> but <laughs> Right, yeah, so you, you well, can re-roll. Hopefully, hopefully That's correct. Oh, what, it doesn't matter. A seven. There you go. So you now have um, sheep grazing on your field. This family is doing very well. You have a lot of different uh, resources to draw on right now. You're making money from the blacksmithing business. You uh, you actually were able to sell off a lot of your grain when mo- many of your neighbors were not. Uh, Matilda, for example, is suffering. Uh, other neighbors are suffering. 
but you are not, and now you have uh, some sheep. So you're expanding in this lean time where others are shrinking. Uh, and that brings us to the, the summer of uh, 1316. Um, the sheep, are uh, their wool is sodden, sticking against their bodies as the rain continues to come down. It's not raining as much as it was in 1315, but the seeds that they would take from the wheat and use to plant the next year's crop were mainly destroyed. So you guys don't haven't had a lot of seeds to plant uh, to plant with, um, uh, but you had more than others. So I'm going to say that you basically have a chance at a normal crop, even in 1316. So uh, what would you like to do? Let's just start at Leofric again and then go back around. What would you like to do with the summer of 1316? Um, we with, because we've diversified and there's just the three of us. And I know that the community's on hard times. I'm going to try and uh, bring in some help, meaning young, unemployed, uneducated folk who need work uh, mm-hmm. to come and help us be extra hands of these businesses. So uh, I know the area, I'm a respect community elder, and I have the teaching skill. So by bringing somebody help with the farm, I'll try and teach some farming, blacksmithing, or animal handling. My three skills that I can teach. Okay, I love that. Um... Why don't you go ahead and just make an IQ roll to recruit some folks that you're going to pay. 10, 11, 12. IQ is 12. Okay. You succeed. And so uh, roll a D6, and that's how many new helpers you have brought onto the farm. Three. Three. Okay. So you have three uh, farmhands now. And boy, are they happy when you hand them that first bowl of pottage uh, that you uh, pull from your grain stores, the, 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 the bread that you give them that you pull from, that you had milled from your grain stores. You're one of the few farmers who are doing well, and they are really happy that you're able to give them a little food uh, and give them a way to make a little bit of silver, uh, a penny or two uh, every week. Um, and so uh, let's go ahead and try to teach them how to do something. Do you want to expand on the blacksmithing and the assembly line of nails? Do you want to teach them uh, how to care for the sheep more, or do you want them farming? So uh, I will look to my brothers to uh, weigh in on this. It should be whatever is sort of going to be most fruitful. And I'm going to maybe suggest uh, we pay a fair or more than fair wage so that our community itself doesn't fall apart. (laughs) Um, People can feed a family, perhaps, on what we might pay. Um, So, is is, how bad is the farming going to be seed-wise here? Would we make more from our nails, or... Here's how bad the farming is going to be seed-wise. When you go to bring in the harvest this year, you're going to have to roll at a negative four. Oof. Oof. Yeah, so I so for so if I if if Wilkie decides to roll farming, he's rolling only for a crit. So maybe if it's that bad, maybe we throw all in on farming and knowing that we're going to do better than everybody else because we at least have hands, right? We can do more to protect the crops. Like we might actually have to start feeding our neighbors and stuff if it gets really really bad. Um, and if we want to protect our burgeoning uh, milling business, we're going to need some wheat. Exactly. If we nails are only going to be like if we make money off nails, we'll be paying four times the cost to 
buy grain to eat anyway, right? So I think probably the grain is probably our best bet. What do you guys think? So you're going to teach all of the new farmhands, or I'm sorry, the new helpers how to be farmhands, basically. Yes. Okay, great. Let's do a teaching roll to see if you can teach them farming. Okay. Uh, and guess teaching- what? I would have given you negatives to teach people harder things like blacksmithing and maybe maybe animal handling, but these guys already a little bit know how to farm. You're teaching them how to farm in a famine. Let's go for it. Um, rolling my teaching skill. Ah, boy. Uh, I have rolled a 17. I'm going to use luck. Yeah, you'll need to roll luck. Yeah. Uh, uh, 10, which is a success. And four. (gasps) Okay. So as luck would have it, um, you have picked, you, you have just recruited just the right people. Um, you, you didn't get anybody who's lazy or, um, duplicitous, uh, or so hungry that they're willing to do, uh, you know, anything to survive. You got some stalwart God fearing men. Um, and because they, because you were lucky in that way, uh, you were also lucky in the way that they, they were intelligent enough to learn your teachings. And now you have three more people, uh, but paying them a living wage is tough. Uh, sure. And uh, I think that uh, I'm going to rule that that's going to take down some of your resources a little bit. Um, so, uh, meaning... Well, like will that depend on what we bring in? Like, we don't know how well we're going to do yet. Right? We don't know how well we're going to do. That's right. Um, okay, so that was your summer of 13, 16. What about Bertram? Um, well... Leofric do you want to start can, the pilgrimage business, taking people into the cave, or do you want no, to do something else? No, not just else? yet. I want to hold on to that um, because the harvest is coming, and I think if we don't focus specifically on the farming, we're going to be in deep trouble. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, and also Bertram's interested in the the cave scouting operation, but he's not first and foremost a capitalist. So he doesn't really care about the business side of things so long as it doesn't get in the way of his piety. And speaking of which, Leofric has instructed the newcomers in the ways of the the land, as we knew he would do. But Bertram wants to make sure that their spiritual needs are seen too as well. So what he's going to focus on over the summer, and this is him helping with the farming, is he wants to really make it like a a sort of a religious commune sort of experience, like even more prayer, even they need to understand that if it wasn't probably for the, the awnings that the Virgin told us to put up, even though it didn't seem like it worked. It was clearly part of the recipe that made our farm so successful. And so it's imperative that they understand the role played by the Blessed Virgin. You may roll theology. Yes, exactly. And uh, unmodified. I think that that's a great explanation of what's happening. I got a 13 and I needed a 14. So There you go. All right. So um, this has become a very religious farm. Uh, and oh, uh, every morning the three farmhands oh. are uh, waking up early to pray alongside Bertram. Uh, and then every evening they are st- spending hours in prayer with Bertram. 
Um, and if you think about it, like these these three men were starving before they came to you. Oh, so. I know. Um, they really believe that God has judged the earth uh, because this uh, this rain is falling everywhere. Um, it's falling as far as, uh, away as as they of places they know about. This rain is falling because it fell over all of northern Europe, uh, uh, and so they really do think it's God's judgment. And so it really does make sense that they would be extra motivated to pray alongside Bertram. Uh, and uh, I'm just kind of tallying up the bonuses here you'll get for using these guys uh, here when we get to the autumn, which is next. But first, Wilkie, what do you do with the summer of 1316? I mean, should I roll farming or do we think that our new farmhands have our farming under you know, under control? Well, these two, both both um, Leofric and Bertram focused on that because, the, you know, the, the role to bring in the crop this year is going to be really tough. Um, if you think that they, they've handled it, then you don't need to do anything else to help. Um, if you do want to help, you need to tell me a specific way you are helping uh, like these two have just done. Okay, I'm, I'm going to set this up. So I think uh, Wilkie also has a secret passion besides pottery, uh, and that's cooking. Uh, he is the one that always makes our pottage. He's the one that's always experimenting and throwing in the radishes, for example. That was a Wilkie innovation. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah we're, we're, as, you, as you point out, we're trying to move the flavor level from like a two to a three. Yeah. Wilkie wants to get it up to like a four. Um, and so he, oh, oh, yeah. But Wilkie wants to provide it to the workers to add extra incentive like not only are we paying them a fair wage, but we offer them the best food in the community. So if you work here, you're well fed. He wants to further motivate the farm workers to help without bringing our crop with a cooking roll. In seeking okay. clay, you found some sea salt that you could add to the yes <laughs> the pottage. Wow. So you feed you feed these farm hands every night uh, really well, uh, is what you're telling me. Yeah, or I'm gonna uh, hopefully roll. To hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Let's see how it goes. Go ahead and give me that cooking roll, unmodified. I think. Okay, I got it. Uh, seven under nine. Uh, excellent. Uh, these guys are well paid. They are motivated by uh, the the safety of their very everlasting soul, and they are well fed. Um, they are going to give you a bonus uh, to your farming role. And so here we come to the autumn of thirteen sixteen. Oh, you sure is a great cook, Master Wilkie. Tell your friends. Uh, Don't forget, thanks be to God. And thanks be to God for providing this food. We should invite, uh, you know, the, our, our, our tenant Miller and his uh, very lovely wife to come join us for a meal at this harvest celebration. Well, perhaps once we've brought in the crops. But now I feel fortified by food. And I will go and do God's work out in the fields. This is, uh... This is Robert, one of your farmhands. Are they all named Robert? Uh, two of them are. <laughs> two of them are named Robert, and one is named... Drustin. Uh, and so, uh... And maybe, maybe you call Tall Robert and Short Robert. Uh, and so they head out into the fields. And so in the autumn of 1316, the second year of the Great Famine, uh, most people did not have enough seeds to plant. But you guys have uh, you guys have 
prepared for this by creating the ultimate team of farmhands. <laughs> and so, instead of a negative four to your farming roll, I'm going to say each farmhand gives you a plus one. And so now I'm going to let you guys roll at a negative one to your farming to see how All it right. goes. Great. Pretty good. So, here we go. Leofric. All right. Rolling for a ten. And are we still leaving one of the fields fallow? Uh, well, we're uh, inst- it's instead being used for sheep, right? Right, that's right. Okay, that's right. Okay, go ahead. So rolling for a 10, and I rolled a 6. Excellently done. Okay, and how about uh, Bertram? Would you like to roll farming to see how it goes? Yes, yes, I I should roll a 10, and I rolled an 8. Lesson, lesson be. Oh, excellent. And how about you, uh, Wilkie? I'm rolling for a 7, and I rolled a 7. Nice. Holy shit. Great okay. Truly, um, we are blessed. <laughs> God be praised. God so, be praised. God be praised. Um, uh, you also know, it's material. so funny. Sometimes when you play Dungeons and Dragons or a game like that or, or um, uh, Pathfinder, you, you get an enemy monster and you set it up against uh, your players and they just bowl over it in minutes. And I feel like that's what my players have done to the great famine of 1315 and 1316. <laughs> They kept locking combos and taking it out. But we have one final scene to set, which is I think that um, during, you know, uh, weeks later, uh, after you've brought all your crops in, and once again you have managed to salvage, let's let's be clear, there were realities. Nobody had a full crop. Nobody. Um, but you have managed to salvage just enough to sell off some and feed to pay your rent and to feed yourselves. Again, this year you have done that. Not only that, you have your side businesses, which, you know, uh, allow you to kind of uh, pay your workers and and kind of keep yourselves uh, solvent. Um, so you guys did a lot of good work kind of strategizing all of that. But the final scene I'd like to set, uh, set is that as you are sitting with your farmhands and with Godwin the Miller and with his wife Matilda, and you're having... A meal like the one you had that started all of this, all the way back in the autumn of 1314, two years ago. Uh, and, and people are even smiling a little bit. Maybe this will be the end of the famine. Maybe things will get better. You hear from outside, Leofric! Um, I will uh, go to the window and look outside. You see a group of people. You see a group of seven uh, or so people uh, standing outside holding torches. Locals? Um, the the voice sounded familiar. I, I will uh, turn to my brothers and ask them to find stout clubs or cudgels. <laughs> and then I will open the door with a smile. Also, let's bring tall and short Robert and also Justin. Oh, Dirty Justin. Dirty Justin. You recognize uh, some of the leaders of this group. Um, there's a man named Edelbert. Gerald is another one of them, uh, a man from the town. Uh, Morkant. Um, these are local men uh, from your community. Uh, but as you look at them, you see that something is wrong with them. Uh, first of all, they are gaunt to the point of all being being almost skeletal but on top of that they have a red rash across oh. their face and neck uh, and you can just barely see it in the firelight 
Um, uh, and they're like, having dinner, are you? Oh, just at our prayers. Seems that you've done all right for yourselves over these many months. Hard work and we are blessed. May we offer you a bowl? See, I want to know why it is your family thrives and mine dies. I don't. You know, uh, I lost Edwin. My wife. I did not know, but I'm sorry to hear it. And my son. I'll put my head down and cross myself. Here we all do. Were you going to say something, Bertram? Uh, I, too, had lost a wife, and I know the pain that that brings. There is only one solace, and it happens to be the reason that our farm has thrived. Go to the church. Throw yourself to the feet of the Virgin, and she will guide you through these difficult times, just as she has guided us. Gerald uh, pipes up and he goes... The answer is so simple. Gerald says... "Ah, Sweet words, but we know what's going on here. You all have made some sort of deal with the devil. That's why your crops come in good every year. You're cheating, God. We know you're in league with Satan. That's how you've been so lucky. More, Kent. It's not true. The community has struggled, and as have we. We've done our best to share our bounty with those who've not been as prosperous as ourselves, and you'll find no fine repast on our table. We eat simply, and we struggle to keep this community on its feet. They start to push their way into the house. They're going to barge our way into the house? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. Brothers, brothers, there's no need to fight. We would welcome all in our community. We are not in league with the devil. We Have you met Bertram? He's obnoxious as shit. Please, come in. Share in our pottage. Please, let us share what meager profits we've been able to eke out of so, this dreadful season. Seven men are trying to enter, and they will start eating your pottage if that's what you're offering. Are you, seven uh, poxy sounds, men? Have t- yeah, seven poxy men. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about the pox. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Uh, do you want to let them into your hearth and let them have a bowl of pottage each? Please, let me bring the not. pottage to you. We'll bring, yeah. <laughs> I shall serve you, your humble servant. Uh, no, they're gonna—they're not gonna let you serve them outside in the cold because uh, it, it has become cold here in in the autumn. They are pushing their way in, and you can do something to stop them if you'd like. But it, they are pushing their way in, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll take a bowl." They still think that you know your offer uh, of food is uh, is on the table, so they're gonna go. They're gonna push their way in unless you do something. Uh, gentlemen, my bay is already straining with the people it contains, but you have our hospitality still. Let me take you to uh, wherever it is. I'm keeping our uh, you know our sheep warm from the weather, and we'll bring the food to you. Okay, I think you're you're adopting a strategy that was similar to what Wilkie was saying. You guys are really Diplomacy. wanting to convince them not to go into the house. So, Wilkie, I, I'll allow you to roll your uh, public speaking if you'd want to okay. convince them to go out there. Yeah. 
It's a lovely little hovel. Uh, I fail. Eleven over nine. Over nine. They push their way into the house. Oh uh, my god! They begin no. ladling food out of your pot into uh, bowls, and they're eating it greedily. Uh, and they're even uh, pulling. You know, they push Matilda aside and start uh, shoveling food into their mouth off of her plate. Roki, seeing this, leaps to defend Matilda's honor. So does Godwin, and so you both leap kind of into each other. And he's like, I can defend my own wife's honor, knave. In my house. My brother's house. He says, Oi, stand back, ye men, or I shall make you regret this offer of hospitality. That's what Godwin says to uh, the men who have shoved their way into their house. And uh, they look up from where they've been shoveling. I mean, pottage is dripping down their faces. Their faces are covered in a red rash. And you look and there's madness in their eyes. And what you may or may not know is that they are probably suffering from ergotism. People would eat grain that had been infected with, that's right, fungus uh, and certain uh, things that shouldn't be on the grain. Uh, They would eat really poor grain and it would make them kind of go mad. Um, So uh, Godwin is picking a fight with them right now. There are seven men in here. We should not be picking them. Um, Wilkie uh, cannily decides not to interfere in the fight between Godwin and seven other men. <laughs> uh, Bertram. Wilkie stands back like, okay. Very well. You defend your own wife. I'll stand back. Uh, Bertram steps forward and is like, ah, guests, guests, let us pray. And let us not forget the greatest flavor enhancer that our family has uh, determined uh, in all of these years. And he reaches into his pouch and he starts putting a handful of the mushrooms from the failed experiment that still were around and he's just going to throw those in the bowls that they're scarfing down. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he's... Trying to overdose them. So he needs to... Yeah, this is very interesting. So uh, Bertram, you need to somehow convince them to... And it's not going to be hard because they're hungry. You need right. to somehow convince them to add this to their bowls uh, without them, like, thinking that you're trying something. I'd like to do it in the form of, like, a blessing and a prayer that, that, that the, they, they should... Guests should enjoy the full bounty of what uh, the, the Virgin has blessed us with. It's a sacrament. And see if I can't kind of just sneak it in that way. Um, I, I think that that's a, a smart way for you to strategize doing this. I think that because you're try, trying a deception at the same time yeah. you are trying a blessing, I want you to roll your theology at negative three. All right. Um, I got it by two. Please give them the blessing. Oh, may the Blessed Virgin show you, as she has shown me, the wisdom of cooperation and uh, hearth and family and home. And let us not uh, devolve into uh, gluttony. Uh, let us they share. Grab, they bro- grab oh, the mushrooms yes, out of your hands. More. More, three, three of them. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Bless us. And I kind of look over at my brothers and I'm all. Um, and Godwin starts trying to take one, and I'm like, "No, Godwin, I think you've already had enough." <laughs> is there? Let him is, have one. 
Is one of these men <laughs> the leader? Yeah, the leader. Or, uh, the leader was um, Gerald. The leader. Uh, it wasn't Gerald. It was uh, Adelbert. Adelbert. Okay. Uh, I'll keep an eye on Adelbert, and if things go super south, we can't fight seven men. But we could beat Adelbert to death in front of seven men, and <laughs> maybe they won't want to fight. Uh, so, uh, with his years of experience and having seen many dark things in his lifetime, Leofric prepares to attack. What are you going to attack with? What are you? What are you getting prepped with? My hammer. Ah, uh, he pulls out his blacksmith's hammer and holds it behind his back as he watches the men eat. But soon, uh, you see that they are acting strangely. They're they're behaving differently. They slow down. They slow way down, and now they're licking their fingers. Uh, I seize it. The Virgin Mother. Just like you said, Bertram. What are you talking about? I don't see anything! (laughs) Look into the fire. Look into the fire, Gerald. Look into the fire. Yeah, there she is. She's so beautiful, isn't she? And the men are all kind of like holding their heads. One is humming softly. And Edelbert, the leader, is just looking into the flames of the hearth and going, So, so beautiful. So, uh, if they have become tractable, let's uh, sort of calmly lead them maybe out to the out to the animal pen, set them up somewhere nice for the night. <laughs> uh, we've if we've basically emptied our 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 pottage pot, right? Yeah, it's it's in fact it's laying on its side, and a lot of it has spilled out onto the floor, onto yeah. the rushes of the floor. We had a good year, but we are still struggling. So that that hurt. Uh, seven more mouths. Let's, but let's not kill our neighbors either. Maybe a good meal uh, will will do them well. But let's get them out of my fucking house. A good um, meal and a vision of the blessed blessed mother. Yeah. Give me an IQ roll to lead them out. Uh, me? All right. Yeah, you're the one whose idea was. Uh, rolling for a twelve, eight, nine. You manage, some of them fall into a deep slumber. Uh, others are kind of in a trance. You manage to lead them out to the uh, sheep shelter uh, and cover them in hay. Uh, and uh, when you awaken the next morning, the sun dawns bright. Um, there's a frost on on the fields. Uh, and uh, only one man is left inside of your uh, your hovel out there for the sheep. Only one man, and he's dead. With a huge smile on his face. <laughs> God, you um, gave him his final meal. God. Well, hopefully the people went back to town uh, with word that we are not uh, <laughs> um, consorting with the devil. <laughs> which was my concern. Well, you handled that well, and you handled it brilliantly, and I think that is where we will stop for today. Um, 
with uh, a dead man smiling in your in your barn uh, and uh, plenty of food on the table the next morn. Guys, we had a good couple Just of years. The first That's... hint of an itch. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe I had all these starvation rules. I looked at GURPS has starvation mechanics, and you guys just were like, you know, fuck you, farming roll, and you just uh, made it through one of the worst disasters of the 14th century uh, pretty much unscathed, uh, and you handled that last encounter well, uh, too. So congratulations. Excellently played, brothers. Excellently played. I think Give it's credit a to uh, of teamwork. The man above. And, and the I, good Lord. I yeah. credit my love for an unnamed person. <laughs> uh, so uh, our next s- session will take place over 10 years in the future. Oh. So Ooh, you, may, uh, you may either. Uh, only one of you has a child that could uh, age 10 years and be uh, played. Uh, and nobody else really pursued marriage or uh getting uh procreating that hard so uh these characters will be that many years older unless bertram wants to play uh his son willem so uh let me know bertram if that's something that you would like to do all right uh, and then uh, oh my god the the aged peasant is going to be very aged at that I'll point. be 62 venerable well it, it, it might be more than 10 years i have to check the exact dates of when the next event happens I know that there, with the aging rules, there are rules that will need to be made to see wh- how many stats I lose. Oh, uh, well, I can't wait to see what happens next time. We will deal with another calamity that befell the 14th century when we come back next time. But right now, I just want to say thank you to these excellent players, Eric Mona, Matthew Capitacasa, and Mr. Clinton Trucks. Thank you, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon.